0: and I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. All right, guys, let's get to it. Hey, guys, welcome back to Boston Confidential. We got a big response from our episode on Tracy Gilpin last week, and I knew we would. Since I've started this podcast there's certain cases over and over that I get asked to do. We're building up kind of a large catalog now of cases we've covered, and people sometimes write in on cases we've already covered, and I direct them to the right episodes and all that. But time and time again, I've gotten these three-episode requests, Judy Chartier, Tracy Gilpin, and for today's episode, it's Sander Crispo. People are interested in these cases. People care about them. And they've really touched a nerve. And I think it's kind of a primal thing when women go missing. Everybody has that fear. Men have that protection instinct. I think that instinct is magnified with women for their children in their community. Because when I grew up, every mother on the street was your mother. You know what I mean? If you screwed up, Your mother was going to hear about it before your ass got home, right? So they're kind of like mothers of the community, and they tend to each other's kids. You know, they see them at Girl Scouts, at school, at church, right? It's a community. And when you have somebody just vanish like this, it's almost primal how people feel about it because it could happen to them and their loved ones like I said, we got a large response from the Tracy Gilpin episode, but I was corresponding with a young guy out of Vermont and it was about cold cases and how police treat them. And we had a good back and forth on it. And I appreciate the correspondence. Like I say, he was from Vermont and we were discussing the Maitland case, but, you know, same type of closed mouth atmosphere with the Vermont state police. But his point was... I'm demanding that the police release something new right, to help with these cold cases and get them back in the news, get the public eye on them. He says, well, what if there isn't anything new? He said, you'd be surprised at sometimes how little evidence there really is. And do you want to expose that to the press, to the killer? You're exposing to the killer that there is no real evidence. Is that what you want to do? Do you want to tell the family that? What do you tell them you work in the case of the best of your ability? And I know it's a mix of all those things, guys. And I don't say these things with criticism for the men and women in the arena, the investigators. The approach to cold cases has to go through the police academies and how we teach policing in this country. And the rest of the world will naturally follow suit. But I do believe the way we handle cold cases now is horrible. And it is ineffective. That's the most asinine part of this. It is massively ineffective. If this was a business, you wouldn't do the same thing over and over again. But I'm going to let that be. But that guy I was corresponding with, I didn't mean to sound trite or anything like that. It's just that it's so frustrating. But you do have a good point. Sometimes there's no information to give. And then what do you do? All right, guys, if you need to get a hold of me, my email is barry at bostonconfidential.net, and that's the best way. You can contact me on the Facebook page as well. It's just a little bit slower going. Email's the best way at this point. Well, guys, you don't have to grab your hats and jump into the Wayback Machine with me today because we're only going back to 2019. And this is the strange case of Sandra Crispo out of Hanson, Massachusetts. So guys, this is another strange case where there's not a lot of information in the public domain on it. You know, I go over some of the same similar information across multiple platforms, but there's not a lot of information about Sandra Crispo directly and her family. But I'm going to tell you what I do know. Sandra had recently moved to Spotford Avenue in Hanson, Massachusetts, and Hanson is a beautiful town. It is bordered by Pembroke on one side and Rockland, Massachusetts on the other. Now, when I was growing up, Hanson was so remote, you could get a house there very cheaply. The other closer in South Shore suburbs were a little bit more popular. But when housing prices dramatically rose in the 90s, Hanson became a little bit more popular. People were commuting into the city. And I don't know, in the morning, you might have a commute of over an hour from Hanson. The South Shore to Boston is probably the worst commute in the area. And I'm sure people on the North Shore would disagree. Coming into the city from the North is difficult as well. But from Hanson, you're probably looking at over an hour. And the advent of working for home, I think, has made towns like Hanson a little bit more popular. You don't really have to go into Boston anymore, you know? And with that came some more development in the Hanson area, the Whitman Hanson area. There's more restaurants, nightlife, things to do in that area. It's not all just focused on Boston anymore. But physically, the town is absolutely beautiful. Homes are spread out, well kept, clean community, and almost crime free. It's probably one of the most crime free neighborhoods or communities in the Metropolitan Boston area, really. So without traffic, I think they say, I don't know, Hanson is what, 25 miles from Boston? Without traffic, you can be on the heart of downtown Boston from Hanson in about 35 minutes. That's without traffic. And there's never a time without traffic. All right, guys, let's move on to it. So it is August 2019. And Sandra Crispo, age 54, had recently moved to Hanson, Massachusetts from the Howes community in Quincy, Massachusetts. And I think this was to be closer to her daughter. She was kind of downsizing. Her daughter, and forgive me if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, her name is Lena L-A-I-N-A, Lena. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, McMahon. She's a nurse, an emergency room nurse in Boston, Massachusetts. And I think they live in the Hanson area. One thing I do want to say about this case, there's a lot of information here that's being kept close to the vest. And I'm not just saying that in the typical manner of a police investigation, where the police don't share much information because they're working the case, or how I complain about cold cases. I don't think this qualifies as a cold case just yet. But What I'm talking about is the family seems reluctant to give information, and maybe Sandra was a very private person. Maybe there was something more going on there, but I'm limited in the information I can give to you because I can only go with what's in the public domain, and that seems to be intentionally limited. So we'll come back to that, but let me tell you the story. So it is Wednesday. August 7th, 2019, and Sandra Crispo is watching her two grandsons, and these grandsons are said to be the absolute light of her life. It is like her occupation and her vocation to take care of these kids, and you know how grandmothers can be, and she was very involved in their life, and Lena, the mom dropped the kids off in the morning. I think this was a pretty regular thing, if not a daily occurrence. I think Lena worked in the city as an emergency room nurse, and I don't know what her shift was. But on this day, Wednesday, August 7th, 2019, Sandra Crispo had the kids, and she was coming and going. But her car seemed to have like an emergency-type problem where she needed to bring it in for repair right away. And I think she did that, and this was later in the afternoon. She had the kids the majority of the day, and Lena McMahon, that's the daughter, her husband brought his car to the car dealership, transferred the kids into his car, and then he drove Sandra Crispo home. His name is Tim McMahon. I don't know what he does for a living or whatever. But he drops her off in her driveway. From everything I can ascertain, he doesn't actually see her go into the house. The house is a small little cottage. It's a beautiful little home. But it's probably, I don't know, 1,200, 1,500 square feet, single floor, cottage style. Again, it's noted that Tim McMahon drops her at the end of the driveway, but doesn't actually see her go into the house. and. So 5 o'clock on August 7th, 2019, is the last time that Sandra Crispo has been seen. And they had some videotape from the Cumberland Farms. Tim McMahon, before he drops her off, stops at a Cumberland Farms where Sandra Crispo goes in to buy some cigarettes. She's on tape. She seems fine. I don't know. She's a petite little thing. She looks younger than her age. I think I told you she was 54. It looks a little younger than that. But other than that, I mean, it's kind of like just an everyday appearance. She's got capris on, a t-shirt, but it's August in Massachusetts. She's dressed for the weather. So I, I don't know what happened there. I don't think it had anything to do with Cumberland Farms, but... It's just weird to see her on tape, and she vanishes, I don't know, an hour later or so. So that's the scene that night. So that's 5 p.m., or just after 5 p.m. on Wednesday, August 7th. On Thursday, August 8th, Lena has a day off from her job in Boston and is taking the kids to the beach, and I don't think hears from mom in the morning, but... She hears from the mechanic at some time during the day. Mechanic says, I called, and Sandra Crispo didn't have a cell phone. I know this is weird. I'm going to come back to it. But the mechanic had called the landline at her home, and nobody picked up. So the mechanic had Lena's number and is calling Lena to tell about the car, give a report on the car, saying that they needed some more parts and all this. And I think they were giving an estimate at the same time. So, Lena doesn't really panic at that point because, you know, her mom's a grown woman. She doesn't have to answer the phone every single time. And Lena's still busy with the kids and all that. But when she doesn't hear from mom by the next morning, her heart kind of sinks because she calls before she goes over. And finally, she gets the kids ready and... Sandra Crispo, mom, was going to watch the babies that day, that Friday, and she was there to drop them off, and she had a very bad feeling, a pit in her stomach, and she gets into the house, the back door's open, which is not like mom, and her purse is missing and her shoes are missing, the lights were on, and the air conditioning was on. And it looked like, you know, Sandra Crispo just stepped outside for a smoke and was going to pop back in at any second. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. She had a black lab by the name of Clarence, who was usually very friendly. You know how labs can be are <laughs> Overly friendly at times. He's kind of cowering in the corner. And it was just a weird scene. And Lena had a weird vibe from it. The dog was also out of water and food, so... I think the police later summarized that when she was last seen about five o'clock, obviously, sometimes between five o'clock and Friday morning, something went haywire here. And Lena continues through the house and in the bedroom, the mattress is kind of askew off the box spring. And she says the headboard of the bed was kind of dislodged. And I've heard varying reports about how much it was dislodged, and how much the mattress was askew, but she sensed that something was wrong, and she pinpointed those items. So I think Elena does a cursory search and then calls the police. The police arrive, and there's no glaring indicators that something is gone off the rails here, but Elena can feel it, and the fact that she took her pocketbook and her shoes with her you know, I think the cops think she may have ducked out for a minute here. And I'm going to pause a little bit here and tell you a couple things that stand out in this case for me. Lena doesn't mention much of her mother's past. There's no mention of her occupation, what she did, what their life was like in Howsnack, And the mom, Sandra Crispo, doesn't have a cell phone. She doesn't have a computer. And one of the ways police track missing persons is through a cell phone. But she's 54 years old, I believe, and she doesn't have a cell phone. She doesn't have a computer. I know there's people like that in the world today. And some people are kind of afraid of technology. But I'm of that same generation, and I couldn't go five minutes without a phone. It kind of leads me to believe that there's something else in the history Of Sandra Crispo, that's not being said. So I don't know if she's had a substance abuse issue because I know when people go to rehab facilities, sometimes they lose their phones, their phones are taken from them, and all that. So maybe it was some kind of substance abuse issue. I'm not certain. I hate to disparage, especially if they think it's something to be ashamed of. It isn't anymore. People have issues all around us and all of our families, right? And if you keep that to yourself in this case, you're limiting what people can see. Because if you say, yes, she did have a substance abuse issue, people with substance abuse issues will keep a lookout for Sandra. They like that. They do. They want to help, you know? you know? And a lot of them go in between recovery and addiction. And if they see somebody who's missing, there's missing posters where they buy drugs, alcohol, however it goes, they call the police. You know, you're kind of limiting your exposure here. There's also limited information on an ex-husband or paramour for Sandra Crispo. She's 54 years old, has nobody else in her life. I don't know what the issues are, but there's some things that aren't being said here and it's kind of glaring. And I don't know if that's good for this case. I just don't know if it is. So that's my two cents. So I think the Hanson Police Department's initial response to this is there's really no evidence of a crime here except the disappearance itself. They did start investigating as best they could, right? But I guess you start with neighbors and you start with other people in Sandra's life. And sometimes grown people, adults, don't tell their kids, even if the kids are adults themselves, what's going on in their life. And if they've had substance abuse issues, they may not be willing to report, yeah, I've had a relapse. You know, and I'm not saying this is the case in this Sandra Crispo case, I'm not, so get that straight, but they might not be willing to say, I've had a relapse, or I'm having some issues, because she loves to see her grandchildren on an almost daily basis, and if you've slipped on something, maybe that ends for a while, and you don't want that. The only signs of a struggle was that those items in the bedroom, that could definitely be enough, but. Man, I don't know. Could she have left after 5 p.m. on that Wednesday? Somebody pulls up, says, Hey, let's take a ride. We'll grab a coffee, have a cigarette, drive around, and we'll be right back to feed the dog and, you know, whatever else you got going for the evening. And then something goes sideways and she can't. So keeping that information within the family maybe a primal instinct of protection right but i think it hurts the case because there could be other people in Hanson who have similar issues and they know about this person that person another person hanging around with sandra not so good not on the bright side if you get my meaning and something goes haywire and man it's been a few years now right so It's hard to figure this one out. There's a lot of question marks in this case, guys. A true whodunit. I don't know if she'd get up and walk out of her life like that. She had things going for her. She had family. It's said that Sandra Crispo didn't have many friends, that she hung around with her cousin. She was always busy with her grandkids and her kids. And I don't know, you know, it is such limited information. They said she didn't really have friends in the neighborhood, so I don't know. But why the limited information being put out? You don't know her marital situation. You don't know her love life, right? It's just weird. By this point in an investigation, we typically know everything about the family. There's something off here, and I hate to point fingers, and I I hate to be the bearer of the bad news here, but Man, if she had some type of relapse, you have to say that because you have a whole community, the sober community and the rehab community would be willing to help on this. I know they would. I know people who were in it. Okay, guys, so I'm not saying that's the case here. There are people who just are very private and they lead quiet lives, and that could be the case here. But there's some missing information here. I think we can all agree. So during my research, I came up with some instances of people who believe they've seen Santa Crispo. One was in Fall River, and she was panhandling, disheveled, looking homeless, right? And the other one, I believe, was in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island, similar kind of locations, and people in Fall River, so... There's people who really believe they've seen Sandra panhandling. I don't know. Those leads, I don't think they've went anywhere. It's hard to follow up with the homeless, as we know, just because they're so transient and there's so many issues with them. But I don't think it does any good for people to believe, you know, she doesn't have these issues if she does, because they'll keep an eye out at these stops where people could be panhandling, right? So that's my take on it. There's some missing information, and it makes it more difficult to deal with. I did read in an account by Lena that said she didn't have any real physical maladies, and she didn't have any mental health issues. So, And in that section of my research, there was no mention of substance abuses. You know, substance abuse, all of them, alcohol, whatever. So... That was missing from that statement, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on here, but if the family thinks that people will believe she is less worthy of help because she's got some substance abuse issues or something like that, I don't think that's the case. I think there'll be more of an outpouring of sympathy and assistance and all that, so I don't know, maybe reconsider that, I guess. I think Sandra Crispo's family put some pressure on the Hanson police to bring in the Massachusetts State Police to stop looking at this case like a homicide. And they've done that, I think, the state police that came in and processed the house and all that. Again, I don't know which direction this is going in. I saw a police official from Hanson say, basically, we're completely baffled. So... The best hope I thought would have been in the neighborhood itself. Did anybody see somebody pull up and Sandra leave with them? You know, they say she wouldn't leave her dog for a long time. She wouldn't leave those grandkids. I could see that. I've seen her daughter, Lena McMahon, in several interviews. My heart goes out to her because she seems always on the cusp of crying, of totally losing it. She holds it together. Because she has to, but she always seems to be on the verge of letting loose. And man, it's heart-wrenching to watch her interviews. And I know her husband, Tim McMahon, had dropped her off that afternoon. I think the police, I've read it in a couple instances where he's basically been cleared. So, And the way the police might do that is are there cameras by his house on a way he'd have to go. They see him driving there, you know, the only adult in the car. He had the kids with him. Or he can prove it some other way. And I think he did. So that kind of shuts down all avenues here, you know what I mean? Did she leave on her own? It doesn't really look to be that way. But again, there's not a lot of signs of foul play here. And the police are kind of caught in the middle. And I think they're trying or they were trying to go through her history But if they're getting the same types of stuff we're getting, man, it's going to be a difficult case. So I hope I didn't insult the family by bringing up these issues of missing historical information in Sandra's life. It's not my intent. It really isn't. But I think that's about all I have for you guys. The facts on this case are very limited. It's a true whodunit. And I pray the family gets some closure on this. But if those issues that I mentioned are present, it's not too late. Just let people know. And, you know, that rehab community, the sober community, it's vast on the South Shore. And they know where people hang out. They know where they do certain things. They could be a tremendous asset, a tremendous asset in this case, if that is, in fact, an issue for the Crispos. All right, guys. That's about all I have for you on this case. There's not much here. If you need to get a hold of me, drop me a line at barry at bostonconfidential.net. Otherwise, that's all I have for you in this one. I'll get on to the next one. I'll see you on the flip side.